I'm Aaron Lawler Patterson, the Goodness Chick. I'm an international speaker, life coach, author, and proud part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Join me on the journey of empowering you to kick butt in life, not get kicked by life, addressing mental health, relationships, self-care, and giving back. All right, we are rocking out with today's episode. Very excited. Uh, Obviously, when it comes to Goodness Chick, we focus on a lot of different topics, and one of those being mental health. And today I'm really excited before we, this is actually my last interview before 2020 hit. So whether you're listening to this in 2020 or 2025, this is the last one for the year. And I'm really excited to have uh, today's guest, Brett Stevens with us. Brett, want to give you a shout, my friend, and uh, say welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So Brett is the author of uh, Crossover, a uh, look inside a manic mind, and um, Brett Stevens is your pen name. And uh, spent some time reading excerpts of your book, and it's uh, it is it's a great read, man. And I, you know, I know at the bottom it has categories in terms of who you know this the audience that it appeals to, but I, I feel like it appeals to everybody because just like we were talking about um, just a few minutes ago before we went on air uh, and started recording was the fact that there's such a stigma when it comes to still with mental health. And you really give an insider's view about your experience um, with somebody who struggles with mental health. You, you were diagnosed with bipolar one. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So I want to ask you, so, so I'm not doing all the talking here. What was the catalyst for you when it came to writing this very candid journey in, in your book? Sure. Well, at first I, I thought my story was interesting and I wasn't diagnosed until my third manic episode. So I had two, you know, full manic ramp ups, hospitalizations and recoveries and depression, you know, before that recovery happened to me two times in my life. And finally, you know, the third episode and the diagnosis had me reflecting a little bit and trying to connect some dots. And honestly, I told some of these stories verbally to some close family members and they just said, you got to write this down, see how it is, you know, see how you feel about it. Uh, and my doctor as well, kind of not for, she, she urged me to write this out as it would be, you know, beneficial as more of a therapeutic exercise. And along the way, uh, I discovered I have what's called hypernesia, which is the ability to remember traumatic events in great detail. So a combination of all those things got me started. And really, I enjoyed the writing process and, and found it to be something that, that I was able to continue with and ultimately finish the story, you know, end to end. Okay. So if you were, there's somebody out there that's, okay, we've heard the term bipolar, we've heard, but can you explain what bipolar is to our listeners? The way I think about it, bipolar is someone who has manic or depressive episodes. Now, I'm not a doctor. The first thing they told me when I explained my my history was bipolar, someone who has multiple manic episodes. And the reason that it's so hard to diagnose is you don't want to just say someone is bipolar when they are 19 and have their first episode, because now you're diagnosing them with something that's going to last for their entire life. So I think they need to see it multiple times to really give the diagnosis. And, you know, one thing I've definitely seen is that everyone's experience is unique and different. So bipolar one, which is what I have, is intensely dangerous, high manic episodes, followed by hospitalization, 
usually involuntary. Uh, for me, it was all three times involuntary. And then for me, it's 18 months of depression. But what I find interesting is in between those episodes, I'm normal. Uh, I'm like I always was growing up. My friends can't tell the difference. I'm able to, to do the things that I love. And you know, I've had some success in those ways. So I see bipolar as something that needs to be managed and needs to be taken very seriously, but also can have can, can put you in places that that you'll never forget. And you know, you're definitely lucky to survive some of those places, but but it's it's part of me. I don't see it as as an ailment or something that you know has a there's not a cloud over my head now for the rest of my life. I see it as something that's part of me and I do my best to take value from it learn about it and talk about it. And I think that's, that's really um, what's motivating for me. I've done well when stacked up against my peers in school, in basketball. I was a professional poker player, you know, ranked in the top 0.1% of online poker players when it was, you know, really big. I've, I've been involved with a, a startup company that, that started with two or three people and ultimately sold with 50 employees that I was managing. So it's very hard for me to think that you know, I'm disabled in some way, or, you know, I can't can't stack up or, or do what I want to do in life, because I've just seen, you know, endless reinforcement that that's not the case. I do realize it's very dangerous. And if I don't manage and do certain things, like take my medicine, and go see my doctor, and listen and be open to adjustments, that it can get dangerous for me. So as long as I have that you know, under my belt, I have nothing to be ashamed of or feel bad about. And I'm just going to take it one day at a time and, and live a healthy life with bipolar. And that, that's just how I see it. Mm -hmm. Which is, and the reason I asked you that, because I do think that there's uh, many people out there that when they get a diagnosis, that they feel like, you know, it's signed, sealed, delivered, this is my, my fate, instead of it being, oh, this is a part of me. And I can, it can be managed and I can be successful and I can be healthy, you know, and the list goes on. Um, but I, I think, you know, you're, you're somebody who is just inspiring and, and kind of putting it out there that, you know what, you can live. I don't think there's a, a normal anymore for anything, but just, you can live a good life if you will. Yeah. And I think also it takes, you know, you, you do have to, to manage the, the stuff that's difficult. But, you know, it, it's, it's just something that if you're managing your bipolar, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, if you are managing bipolar disorder well, and you are, forget about the other parts of your life, really forget about everything else. If you are able to say, I know what I'm supposed to do with bipolar disorder, and I'm doing well at that, you already won. This is a major thing that takes up a lot of energy and time and effort. So I think a lot of people might get down that, well, I'm not doing anything else, or they're going to let other things affect how they feel about their, you know, bipolar disorder. So I think I kind of took it as like, this is a part-time job, and that wasn't easy. It's not easy to come to that realization and accept it. This is something that I have to think about one to two hours a day, and, you know, on a broader scale, I have to do extra little tasks for it, but that, that's bipolar for me, and, and that's separate from my job and my relationships and my family. And, you know, at the end of the day, they can't necessarily tell that that's even going on in the first place. So, so I, that's how I see it. And I, I struggle a little bit to kind of put this message on anybody else because I have, I've had resources growing up. I have a supportive family. I, I'm, I have the other things going for me. So I think the, the biggest message,
message that I would say to anyone who's really, you know, really doesn't see it as something that, that they can handle. You just, you have to find the, the small wins. You have to trust the doctors you have to take your medicine and there's breathing exercise and little things you can do to help. And, and honestly, like I just haven't been in this long enough to really know if that message is, is well received, but, but that's how I feel. And I, I hope to be able to communicate that and, you know, help people that are, were at least in a similar situation that I was in growing up and just kind of over it. I, I want to help those people. I think that's kind of the people that, that I might have the most value to, to, you know, send my message to. Well, what kind of feedback have you gotten from people who've read your book and, you know, whether that be emails or, you know, just even reading your reviews on Amazon, it, I mean, you're making a difference. You're making an impact on readers. It, have you kind of, have you felt that resonate? I mean, where are you with that in terms of your voice being heard by people who are either hurting or people that have a loved one that is hurting? Yeah. So I think the, the, first thing that I like felt in that way was family members of people who have heard of someone who had it or, you know, had a really bad experience in their family or a friend or their own child, whatever. I've had people come to me and say like, I understand so much more what they're going through now and whether that's helpful or not, whatever, it just brings some sort of peace that you can kind of get inside the head of, of someone who's going through this and get a better example of, of the severity and why they might be acting the way they're acting. So that was one. Also, I have a few friends who are in the medical field and they're psychiatrists. And they said that the, the information and the stories and how they're written, it's relatable enough and easy enough to read. And they said even somewhat entertaining to give it to someone who might not understand what mania is or what depression is and be able to really say, okay, I have this or I don't have this instead of, you know, medical language and trying to explain it that way. Um, also, there've been a few people that are, I've been told they they're in a very dark place and they might not feel like sharing their story or, you know, even to a therapist or family and they're just in a dark place. And they said something like this, might provide some sort of hope or inspiration that you can kind of, you know what to do and you have to do it to get out of it. And you don't necessarily need to spill your heart out to all these people about depression and mania to get there. You can hopefully have this as a resource and, and use that as, as motivation in some way. Well, it's powerful stuff and it's allowing people to, I think it, it sprinkles so many elements into whether it's somebody feeling, you know what, somebody else gets me, not feeling alone, that they're the only one, to people that you're, you know, giving that insight, just like you had said, like you're in the head of, of where you want to understand where they're, where you're coming from, but it's, it's, it's almost impossible, but you kind of allow that bridge, if you will, um, and it, it's really so well written. And this, and it's like, whether it's for a student or somebody, you know, in grad school or a mental health professional or a parent, I think really the bottom line, what it allows us to do as human beings, as readers is an element of empathy and compassion, which I think in today's world, uh, we need where we can think we know what somebody's going through or, or throw a label on and think we know we don't know. Totally. And I think a good example of that is you know, me, my, myself, I, I have bipolar disorder. I took abnormal psych in college. I, I had a psychology class in high school and I'm reading about bipolar and I'm reading the definitions and I'm taking the test and getting an A on the test. 
And when I actually went through a manic episode, not even, there was no part of me that even thought of bipolar as, as what was going on. So it, it just says something that whether you have it or don't, you know, later in life, it's, it, you just kind of have to go through it to really understand what it's all about. And so I was hoping that telling it the way I told it, it would allow someone to walk through it with me. And if I read this book in college, I, I, I would definitely have had a better understanding of what bipolar was rather than reading, you know, bipolar one, highs and lows, yeah. you know? So that was, um, well, you're taking out terminology, right? That too often says to somebody, I'm not going to read this first of all, right. Or I don't understand this. You put this on a level that it's so easy to digest, if you will, meaning like you, you just, you put the reader in it, in the moment, in your head, where it's not only lending understanding to the best of our abilities as readers, but it's you're, you're learning and there's compassion. And so I'm going to kind of jump to this because this is kind of, you know, makes me think about how, you know, you're hurting and, and, and you were going through different seasons of your life where you didn't even know that, you know, that you had this, right, if you will, before you were diagnosed. Uh, but I think about when it comes to invisible illnesses, ailments, whatever it is, when it comes to mental health, right, where people could say, oh my gosh, that person's in a wheelchair or that person's an amputee. And, and we'll say that that element of compassion, that's like, okay, they have this hardship and it's not treating anybody any different, but taking that element of, of compassion into uh, in consideration. Whereas when it comes to us not seeing physically, just, just how we are as human beings, we can sometimes be quicker to judge. And this is where, you know, I want to kind of throw at you, what do you say to somebody that, you know, they're not struggling with, with the, you know, a mental illness um, when it comes to interacting with people on a daily basis or loved ones or, you know, or friends, because I think this is a big one. There's so many people that are hurting that are judged so quickly and not knowing, you know, what's behind that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very new still. So I was, I was diagnosed three years ago and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. Again, I'm, I'm feeling exactly like I had my whole childhood. So I'm just now getting back, you know, into just living life and talking to, you know, people like I would have always without really in the back of my mind thinking like bipolar, they can tell, they can tell, but I am getting certified in mental health first aid in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. So I'll be able to hopefully be, be able to say like, here's someone who, is having symptoms that I might, you know, be certified to, to get in front of. But I think it's just like anything else. I mean, people have good and bad days. You, you treat them like normal people. And, you know, you'll see my story. I mean, I'm, I'm in a straitjacket. I'm, I'm jumping on cars in the middle of, of the city that I live in. I'm eating pickles out of the garbage. No one that I know would, would you know, ever believe that, that those were the places that this thing took me to. And, they just treat me like normal. They don't have to know. So I think a lot of it is you wouldn't be able to tell that someone's bipolar just because they're frustrated or angry or whatever. That doesn't mean they're bipolar. People, right. people have those emotions. And someone who's not a medical professional, it's going to be very hard for them to determine, you know, if the moods and emotions are that way. So I think you treat them like you treat anybody else. If, right. if you don't know someone has bipolar, you treat them a certain way. If you do, you treat them the exact same way. I think one of the issues is if you have bipolar, how are you projecting yourself to the world? Are you 
whining? That's a bad word. Are you, you know, are you very upset? Are you making it the main thing in your life? Because I think that definitely comes out a certain way and has people think about you a certain way. Uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I think just having the awareness of what you're putting out there, like anybody else would, will definitely help the stigma of, oh, that person's depressed or that person's manic. So I think every day that I live, that I do well, I'm healthy, I have a relationship, and I'm just out there like I always have been, that's going to take the stigma away because some people know I'm bipolar, some people don't, and, and I feel the same regardless. So I think you have to just treat them as normal is the short answer. Right. And, and it's easy, I think, um, to judge and, and we don't know what anyone's going through. You obviously kind of lend that lens within your book, but you know, my feeling is whether somebody is dealing with clinical depression, you know, severe anxiety, bipolar, whatever it is, um, that it's, you know, you don't know. And it's kind of, I think an element of compassion in all we do is so important. Um, and, and I think it's just that, that kindness that sometimes we're really quick to judge and have no idea what all the pieces of the puzzles are. And we don't have a right to know all the pieces of the puzzle, but I, I think we can be really kind of tough on our fellow human beings sometimes. And, and I think about this being, um, you know, Christmas Hanukkah, where we're getting towards the end of, of the you know, 2019 calendar year. And this time of year, even with all the jingle bells and, you know, gifts and lights and all that jazz is really, really hard for a lot of people that don't look forward to Hanukkah, that don't look forward to Christmas because it, it has a lot of triggers or I lost somebody or my mental, you know, I know, you know, where I'm at with, you know, my mindset is, is going to be tough. And uh, where I'm going with this is just, just being kind, you know, just yeah. being compassionate and, and it's not, we have no right to know everybody's baggage and their past and their, where they are with their mental health, but kindness makes all the difference in the world. And, um, and I feel like that, that baton was very much passed on within your book to the reader. And, um, you know, kind of the cool thing about being an author, right, is that you're going to make an impact and you're going to have people read your book, their eyes will view your book and make an impact in their life in ways that you'll never know. And it has a domino effect that I think is pretty awesome and powerful. And on, so, you know, on, on your end, I want to say thank you for really being so brave, uh, being so candid, and, and the aspect of just sharing with people that I think is just epic, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I, I say good on you because I, I'm sure it took a whole lot to put yourself out there. I, I appreciate that. And, and I think when you were asking, what do you say? What do you do to someone that you might know has the, the, a mental illness? I think what I wanted when I was in that place and no one really knew what was going on was someone to say like, hey, what's this all about? How does this work? what do you go through? I don't, I think part, part of my motivation now that I'm thinking about it too, for writing the book was, I don't know that I was getting those specific detailed questions. I think I was getting, how are you? Okay. You're feeling okay. You know, very, very high level, which I don't blame anyone for asking it that way. Cause it's, it's a very difficult thing to understand. But I think I wrote the book to say like, here's what, here's what happened. You know, here, here's what it's like. I, I, I just, kind of proactively gave people the answers to the questions that I wanted them to ask me. So if you yeah. see someone that, that's going through those things, I really think just asking questions and trying to learn what's going on, letting them vent about anger and what their hallucinations are, 
you know, you're not a, you, you might be, but, but most people aren't going to be a medical professional. And even, you don't even have to say like, I, it's my recommendation that you go to a medical, prof like, it's really just a, like, kind of like we're having a conversation and they might cry in front of you. They might tell you that things are really hard. And I think that's mostly what, what I needed back in those places from my family and friends. And so I think, you know, you can do that for other people by just simplifying it and let them spill out a little bit to you about what they're going through. And I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing that yeah, I think people get uncomfortable when it comes to something that they're not comfortable with, which might sound strange, but I think about whether, you know, it's somebody in a, in a wheelchair or somebody with a, you know, a chronic physical illness or mental, you know, mental illness, we can get kind of weird and kind of giving that green light to say, you know, just we're all humans, humanizing people. And, and, and it's okay to ask questions. Totally. And, and I do think it's, it's case by case. I, I know a lot of people that if you ask them too many questions, then they might not like that. And it could, you know, yeah, it's not grilling somebody. I mean, that could super go. I mean, that I, I don't, and you know, not everybody has common sense. So I'll put that out there where right. it, it just, you know, even if it's one question, but also I, I would say, and, and Brett, like interrupt me if I'm incorrect, but you know, it could just also having a, a pulse of who that person is, you know, not just, it's not going up to a stranger, but just having some form of a relationship. And when, you know, there's that comfort level, asking a question. I think grilling anybody about anything puts us on the defense. Yeah, and I, again, it's, it's really tough for me to, to put myself in other people's shoes because I think as someone who has it, I know how unique and different everyone's thing is. And I think someone who might not have it or not have as much experience of it, they might just generalize the whole group altogether. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I wanted questions. I wanted someone to ask me about the hospital. I thought, and I still do think, I, I think if I take myself out of my own story and I think about how, you know, one minute I'm like playing 12 poker tables at the same time, like making a lot of money. And the next minute I'm, you know, my roommate had tried to hang himself in the hospital and I'm talking to him about suicide. Okay. Right. It's like, I thought that was actually take myself out of it. How does that even happen? Hmm. You know, how do you go from that place to that place? So when I actually wrote it out, I felt like this is, this is interesting. Take all the emotion and everything out of it. It's a lot of other things, but it's also very interesting. So I see it that way. I see these stories as interesting and, and crazy and, and a little bit entertaining, honestly, because I'm just telling you what I was thinking and it's not all clear cut. A lot of it's random or there's, I tell a joke about something in my own head. And I just think, you know, someone else might need a different thing than I needed. So the fact that I find these stories interesting, of course, I want someone to ask me about it. But mm -hmm. someone might see their story as, I don't want to ever think about that again. And, and they might not, you know, go as deep into it. And I just think that that general awareness of the individual uh, is important as well. I think all of us, whether, you know, with mental health in general, we just... That support's important, but it comes in different forms for all of us because just like you said before, everything's individualized. Yeah, and I, I think about things in terms of probability at times. And, you know, the first thing that I was told by a medical professional was 100% of the people who don't take their medication with bipolar disorder will have future episodes. Yeah, wow. That was 100%. And, and I, I, I believe that because multiple professionals have told me that. So that's pretty black and white for me. Now, other things, 
you know, do I really need to, to have a healthy diet? Do I need to work out? Like, of course, those things would make anybody's life health, healthier. And that's no different for, for me. But, but I do really take the things seriously that is like a strong, strong probability of, of being healthy if I do one thing. And I'm aware there's a, there's a very, very negative outcome that can occur if I go against that. So I kind of have that as my code as I go through life with this. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's something to just to keep kind of in the forefront of our minds there. And, and Brett, I want to say really thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule um, and being a guest in today's show and kind of sharing, um, you know, your story, your, um, your heart really with, with so many people, not just our listeners, um, you know, but with those who purchased your book. And I do want to let you guys know if you're interested in purchasing uh, Brett's book, you can hop on Amazon and check it out. Um, it is a great read crossover, a look inside a manic mind. I'm also going to have uh, the link uh, in today's show notes and feel free if you have any questions uh, to shoot me an email, but I want to say, Brett, thank you so, so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, there's a lot more encouragement and life kicking strategies on goodnesschick.com. Have a great day, my friends.